Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Do Gary Cohn and Stacey Abrams have in common? I'll give you a hint. It's George Soros' favorite-ism. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. Yay! Because even though it is not cool that UGA lost, uh, it's like a consolation prize that for Monica Perez show fans that I am now on from 3 to 6 for a while. Uh, that's my regular spot. That gives us plenty of time to get into a little deeper than we otherwise would be able to. The what I consider to be maybe not the biggest stories of the week. They usually are. But what I think are the most important stories of the week. And for me, the most important story on the national stage uh, dovetails in a surprising way with uh, probably what will end up being uh, the most important thing for Georgia. So. What happened on the national scale is Trump implemented tariffs on steel and aluminum. And it really got an unbelievable amount of coverage, I thought. Uh, and the way they couched it was in terms of personalities. Like there's this ideological divide at the White House between Wilbur Ross and Gary Cohn. And they just hashed it out, fought it out. And Ross won and the economic nationalist won. And I feel like they show us that because they don't want us to realize that all this kind of stuff is directed either by interests that are benefiting from it behind the scenes or as a setup for some future action paving the way. It's really not a, just a soap opera. <laughs> you know, that's what it feels like. It's just a soap opera. Uh, but it was beyond the personalities that got the press, there was real controversy because uh, tariffs do violate the principles of free trade and because it is the purview of Congress to establish tariffs. So Trump had to use the claim of national security to unilaterally impose these tariffs. So uh, it did cause a bit of a rift in the party and over 100 GOP lawmakers signed a letter to Trump opposing the tariffs and Gary Cohn, Trump's economic advisor, supposedly resigned over it, just couldn't take it, just couldn't be in the presence of tariffs and had to to walk away. Uh, so, you know, the, the drama surrounding it, I actually understand tariffs are, you know, not not in the interest of free markets. I'm a hardcore libertarian. I always favor peace and prosperity, free trade, uh, free markets, free societies. But as far as the impact of this, I don't think it's as dramatic from either perspective as maybe the amount of press it's getting would make you think. It's not it's not our only industry. It's not this sweeping across the board economy wide tariff regime. Um, so it's not to be you know totally horrified about. Um, but on the other hand, I don't know how many, you know, how much value it's going to bring to the American worker, because at this stage, I think 
technology is as responsible for driving those jobs away as a trade and that even if you brought all the business back, you wouldn't bring all the jobs back. And uh, and also the fact that this was implemented by the stroke of a pen that will give you know, I don't think there is a more massive uh, capital investment than a steel plant. So nobody is going to invest in a steel plant if they think that another stroke of the pen could take away these protections, could change the economic environment, the calculus for when you build a plant and when you don't. So I'm not sure, like, if this is going to have the devastating impact, people say, uh, or the great benefit that is hoped. Uh, I think it's really that this whole story is serving another agenda, and I'm not sure what it is. I'm... I'm pretty sure one of the factors is that it's a stepping stone to uh, some deal with China on intellectual property. So I don't want to get into that. I'm happy to. I've been thinking about it a lot because some anarcho-capitalists like myself, hardcore libertarians, I I got from, uh, I really enjoy listening to Stefan Kinsella on this subject, actually don't, you know, I'm pretty sure I don't really think Intellectual property is property to the point where you can ask the police to to follow it around once you release it. You know, I feel like, um, you know, maybe it can't be protected once you let it go, that you have to protect it yourself by not kind of letting it out into the open. But really where it comes down to a lot of times, it's not even that you're stealing somebody else's ideas. It's that you might have an idea that somebody else also had, but they already got the license from government to use it exclusively. And when at the very highest levels, companies and countries uh, uh, kind of divvy that stuff up, the little guy can never come up and compete. So if YouTube is censoring you and you want a new YouTube to offer the same product without censorship, but every possible avenue to offering that technology has been sewn up at the highest levels on an international basis, you're not going to be able to access that. And uh, and it can really oppress not just small business and startups, but, you know, the very fabric of society. And I think that's a serious issue. It was a serious issue with the Trans-Pacific Trade Partnership. Um you know, maybe this is a backdoor to that, to 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 entering the Trans-Pacific Trade Partnership under a different name or using national security as an excuse for this. I don't know. But I really feel like this is just the door opening to a bigger issue. Uh, there's another way of looking at it, which I hope and don't believe is at the top, but it's worth keeping in mind if you if you're shutting down trade, if you're rebuilding manufacturing, if you're trying to control the labor force, uh, make it independent, you might be putting us on a war footing. Because if if war disrupts global trade routes or whatever, you, you're not going to be able to get the steel and the oil and stuff that you need to wage a war. So what you would want to do kind of in advance there, uh, you know, maybe the famous Smoot-Hawley, was it called, whatever, like the big tariffs in the 30s, Maybe they were really for that purpose because a big war did come after that and it got a lot of flack for affecting our economy. But I just I feel like there are definitely deeper purposes. And another thing I worry about uh, in this regard uh, for the the policies that this administration is implementing is inflation. I'm worried that when you when you cut off immigration, wages go up. And if you cut off trade or whatever, impair it, you know, little things make a difference. If you um, reduce imports, prices will go up. And then if 
the tax reform allows companies or encourages companies to repatriate earnings. A lot of dollars are going to come in chasing the same assets that, uh, you know, before the economy responds to that stimulus. This could all lead to real inflation. And that means higher interest rates. And what does that mean when you've got $20 trillion of national debt? Bad for us, great for the bankers. And who are the bankers? Wilbur Ross and Gary Cohn. So Wilbur Ross worked, headed up Rothschild Inc. in New York. Gary Cohn was in line to head up Goldman Sachs. And he may be quitting just to go back there because the head of Goldman Sachs, Lloyd Blankfein, just announced this week that he was stepping down. So... So these guys are both, in my opinion, the ultimate globalists, the ultimate international bankers. And these moves, whether it's tax reform or the tariffs, are both play into the hands of the bankers. So, you know, what do I mean by globalist? I mean um, that these are people who don't who are uh, they're working for the interests of the people who uh uh, like transnational corporations and banks, whether it's right or wrong. So they influence the levers of government, the levers of power, regardless of um, ideology. It's really for their self-interest. And there are organizations that are designed to control all aspects of the world economy, I think, for this purpose. And that's where Stacey Abrams comes in. So I want to get into her very high-level globalist affiliations. Now, Stacey Abrams is a woman who declared for, um, and she's going to be a candidate for governor in the Democratic primary in May. There was the qualifying this week, so she's officially the can- a candidate. Stacey Evans is the other candidate in the Democratic primary. And Stacey Abrams is really trying to present herself as a person of the people um, you know, certain people, <laughs> uh, progressives, I guess, and other categories, but not all the people. But I think she's really, I, I think there's no denying when you look at her resume, her background, what's shaped her, who is behind her, that clearly she is a creation of the globalists. And that is, that is what, that's the interest she's serving, just like these other guys at the top. So, there is so much to unpack on this. I mean, I'm really uh, almost overwhelmed by by how much there is to get into. So, um, but it's going to be a lighter. <laughs> There's going to be plenty of interesting, engaging stuff because my trusty producer Binkley here, who's in studio helping produce the show, reading tweets, has pulled some unbelievable, like shocking. Uh, clips of Stacey Abrams and her team talking about the tactics they're going to use to flip Georgia and to transform not only the South, but the whole country. I mean, this thing is big and I really want to get into it. So Binkley, how are you? Hello. What's happening? There's a lot happening. (laughs) I know. I just told you. (laughs) Too much. That's right. So, um, 
I think that was probably too much for any single person to digest. People this are going to be I... pulling over to take that in. Exactly. I get emails like that, or I get emails like, I've only listened to the show once, but I look forward to the podcast so I can listen to it a few more times. So <laughs> that That's not good. That's not what you want on radio when you're driving your kids to soccer. You don't want to have to pull over to understand. So maybe I can slow it down. Let's spend the rest of the show explaining all of that. Do you have any tweets that caught up with that, or what do you think? I have a tweet from Ridgeway that says, tariffs are just another name for taxes, right? Interesting. Wow. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that is, they definitely are taxes, so it should generate money. It's, it, and the, why people don't like it is that they increase the cost of imports that are cheaper than the stuff that we're making here. And so what it does is it raises the overall price level for that product, which means you can afford less of that product or or you have to spend more on that product than you can spend on other things. And it will de facto like bring down your standard of living. Uh, and it's usually used to protect an industry or like the, the historically kind of valid use for it, if there ever was one, was to protect a nation industry so that a country could build up uh, infrastructure, its economy, maybe have independence, maybe get away from an oppressive trading partner, uh, somebody they fear in war. So, you know, there is some justification for it. Or I should say there are arguments for it, but I personally think the free markets are the way to go. We've got uh, got to take a break and then get to some calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Wow, that was intense. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. It is 62 degrees and overcast outside the studio. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And I'm talking about what's happening at the top, at the national level, and what's happening locally, all dovetailing into the kind of globalist agenda, which is a bit of a hackneyed term. I feel like it's also kind of, I don't know, it's losing its meaning and... uh, Gary Cohn was in the news a lot this week, stepping down over some what I consider to be overblown uh, tariff outrage. And he he is described throughout The Wall Street Journal as a globalist. And even my producer Binkley here in studio sent me a clip just a few minutes ago earlier um, today of Trump joking about Cohn's a globalist, but he's a good globalist, or he's a globalist, but we love him, as if globalism is just this, he's just this free trader. Wasn't that, Binkley, didn't you think that was kind of, we both noticed it all week long, globalism all of a sudden, it's like, ah, it's not so bad. It's an acceptable term, they're legitimizing it. Yeah, they're taking the sting out of it, and and for me, I... For globalism to me is, they're using the levers of power to benefit their own interests, the interests of the institutions that they're a part of. I mean, I actually always called it, you know, this move towards world government. I think actually it's going to be a move towards the world corporation, which was actually a book I had like from a hundred years ago by Gillette who ran, who established Gillette, the company. This is the goal. And, uh, and I, and there's just so much to get into on that. And I think this is the right time to do it. So um, I hate to, 
Have to take such a quick break, Jim. Hang on. I'm going to get to some calls right after this commercial break. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. Or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB, Saturdays from 3 to 6, talking about, I like to talk about libertarian issues, I like to talk about what's really going on behind the scenes, because I don't ever believe that what you see is what you get, so I feel like there's a lot of room for digging, and um, I try to kind of connect it all to a big picture. So right now we're talking about the tariff move out of the White House, and I, um, I feel like that this kind of high level manipulation of everything from finance to trade is uh, all in this march towards globalization the world corporation and there and people think oh you're a conspiracy theorist there are literally hundreds at least of or certainly dozens upon dozens of well-established institutions from corporations to academia to governments that all are in lockstep over their the reality that they are using intend to use the levers of power of government our money and our authority to shape the world in their image in their favor i talked about the world economic forum which was davos um the people who bring you davos i was just looking into it a little bit and uh, and I saw like a whole bunch of like every one of their topics was started with there's I think it looks like there's 12 or 13 here shaping the future of consumption, uh, digital economy and society, economic progress, education, gender and work, energy. It goes on and on. They they have all these and under every one of those categories is like 10 white papers on different subcategories of how they're going to shape the future of this stuff. Uh, there was one, um, the American Assembly uh, at Columbia University Next Generation Project. And it's uh, one symposium I looked at, challenges to bringing a 21st century grand strategy to U.S. global policy. And they talk about uh, their approach to alliance building, cultural influence, and military force uh, to fo- to promote practical goals for the exercise of power. And how did I come across that little thing? Well, that was a fellowship that Stacey Abrams held. She's going to be a Democratic candidate for the governorship here in Georgia. And uh, she had like five or ten of those fellowships that I could find. One from Russia, uh, one for East Asian relations, uh, one from the British American Project, uh, she was a term member and is now a life member of Council on Foreign Relations. She uh, she is really being groomed as a a globalist operative, and she even had a Freudian slip. We're going to play you a clip where she talks about her um, her race to the for the White House <laughs> instead of the governor's house. So I want to get into all that. Binkley, my producer here, has done a lot, a lot of work. It really, he always comes up with the best clips that just, like, make your jaw drop. So we're going to get those. I want to get a tweet from Binkley, then I'm going to go to Jim for a call. Binkley, uh, do you have a tweet for me? I do. I have one from Dean who says, isn't it always our government? And he's talking about the 
ideology of tyranny that they're trying to create confusion. Oh, yes, yes. They they talk about that was he was talking about um I think he might be responding from a tweet I sent out earlier about a Wall Street Journal article where they said uh that the whole point of the Russian plot you know, to disrupt our election wasn't even to get Trump elected primarily, but it was to sow confusion and division uh, in the American body politic, if you will. But that's what our own government is doing. It's actually called the ideology of tyranny, and it's about dividing us so that we don't see what they're doing to us. And particularly what I'm concerned about is how they're eroding, chipping away at our Bill of Rights. But this Stacey Abrams is all about uh, this divisiveness, and that is the ideology of tyranny. you got to watch out. And some of the things that she's using as her tactics and strategies are, are clear that, you know, they could easily be a stepping stone towards a kind of tyrannical, you know, or whatever, certainly rule from the top. Uh, but I want to, I, I don't want to get too far afield. Let me get back to the tariff question. I want to go to Jim in Covington. Jim, you're on with Monica. Well, first off, I love your show. I've stated it in the past, and I'll restate it, that you need to be on more often. What is going on with the people that run WSB? You should be on daily. We'll see. You know, you never know. You never know what will happen. I'm patient. But, you know, I've got kids and stuff, so maybe it's <laughs> maybe this is better. Maybe this is God's way of bringing balance to, to my life. But uh, yeah. thank you. I appreciate that. Well, the point I want to make, is that when I see these pinheads on TV, these talking heads who have no knowledge of what they're talking about, say, well, oh, Trump is going to create a trade war. It's like, uh, hello, are you aware, uh, for example, that uh, how much, uh, and granted, Venezuela is a basket case right now, but let's just say 10 years ago, how much was a gallon of gas in Venezuela? Uh, 29 cents a gallon. Why? Because the government subsidizes it. Why? Because it keeps the people there placated. Well, hey, try importing cars into Japan. They say, sorry, you can't sell your American cars here. So they have a massive tariff. So for someone to say, you know, you're going to create a trade war is so ignorant because we have been in a trade war for years. And 10 years ago, 50 percent of the global steel uh, companies were owned by the state. Now, if you're selling something or you're importing it into this country because it's been government subsidized and, and you're buying, you're bringing it in below our production cost. Yeah. Is it cheaper? Absolutely. But then our people can't have jobs. And if our people can't have jobs, then they can't buy anything. They can't vote anything. I mean, then they're on the government dole. And, and it's like, well, uh, yeah, well, we can get it cheaper overseas. Well, it is not fair. There has been a trade war. So to suggest that we start protecting some of our own uh, industries, is it nationalism? Yes. But do other countries do that? They all do it. And we've been letting them get away with it because uh, in historically uh, political appointees were put to negotiate right, our so it's right for cronyism. Okay, that's a lot of stuff. I gotta, I gotta address it. Um, I, I, I was raised by a very by the book, what I would call traditional conservative. My father, he, he was a truck driver and a welder and iron worker, uh, but he, he liked to read economics. He liked to know about that stuff. He was a smart guy, and he 
was a free market advocate and he told me this stuff and taught me this stuff and and we would talk about i mean even when i was a little kid we would talk about trade you know trade barriers free trade and he um would rightly point out that if they want to dump their steel here let's just gobble it up gobble 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 and uh and use our energies in something that we could make big profits and exploit their government subsidizing until they actually ran out of money and collapsed um, and had to change their ways. So by being a free market beacon, we could we would dominate the world. And if you look at the uh, 19th century, now I haven't looked at if we had trade barriers or anything in the 19th century. Um, I didn't look at that specific thing, but I, I felt like, you know, that was pre-Federal Reserve uh, we didn't manipulate the money, and there was a much smaller, virtually comparatively non-existent federal government, yet wages grew steadily, and price levels did not. So actual wealth at the, the level of the people went up. We would be, and I actually believe there was a plot, maybe Rockefellers, maybe Rothschilds, that wanted, actually Rockefeller, David Rockefeller admitted it, they wanted to, they had to depress the growth of the West so that they could they couldn't really have a world government a world corporation if the west outpaced the east so much you had to slow down the west and build up the east which i think they did so if we had a free market we wouldn't have i don't think we would have the problem that you're talking about but we do not have a free market so i am uh i'm trying to get my mind around i'm open to the ideas i first came across in pat buchanan and john coleman as like uh, the reality of the world is you have to protect your nation. And I and I will say the one thing that you can, I think any um, even a small government advocate would say that if if you're talking about uh, if you're at risk of war and you don't have the ability to produce your own munitions or your own energy or your own planes, you know, you you really it is in the national interest to have some baseline of independence uh you know then we'd have to talk about what's really likely of invasion because we call things defense that are really offense so that that gets into a whole nother thing but now they're stretching the the definition of national security to say that we need to invest the pentagon needs to invest in artificial intelligence they don't tell you that in qtel the cia venture capital arm is already doing this in spades but that we need to invest in artificial intelligence the government needs to control it because that's what china is doing and uh and it's in our you know it's a, a threat to our national security i mean th- that's the thing this these issues are are um they're rich, you know, uh, policy-wise, ideologically, you really have to think about them, you know? And that's why when they covered it on News 24-7, I was like, they're talking about trade and tariffs on the News 24-7? And then if you actually listen to what they're saying, they're like, oh my gosh, Gary Cohen's so mad at Wilbur Ross. I mean, like, it's crazy. It's like a cat fight, you know? And that's what they're talking about the whole time. It's like, Gary just walked away. I mean, he quit. And I'm I'm like, what are you serious? This is about personalities? That's ridiculous. If it has real impact, it's not about personalities. It's about pocketbooks. Theirs. So I'm happy to field any, you know, to think deeply about these questions because there's a certain point where libertarian ideology, you know, it runs up against the practical realities of living in an unfree society. And that's where we can have these conversations, I think. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, Binkley, um, 
do you feel did any of that <laughs> did i go too fast with that do you have a tweet or a comment should i tell more about stacy abrams we want to start playing those clips what i do you- have another tweet from dean go where he says double whammy on farmers still used to make equipment will cost more than countries may respond by creating tariffs on foods that they produce yes you could there there I, it, it's impossible for me. I mean, this is the problem with economics. I remember taking economics in school. I was an economics major, undergrad at Harvard. And uh, <laughs> you, you don't have that. What are you laughing at? I was too, but not at Harvard. Yeah, I know. It was, I'm sure, <laughs> equal. you probably got more reality out of it than I did. So um, I, I, I feel like the more elite the institution the more you're just getting like the brainwashing the less they tell you like just think it through <laughs> they never tell you to just think it through at harvard i'm sorry i shouldn't disparage harvard they gave me a scholarship they really changed my life and i do appreciate it um and i've used their maybe they did teach me critical analysis i shouldn't be um uh dismissive like that <laughs> but i do think uh i do remember thinking um that see now i lost my train of thought <laughs> that uh, the variables, that there are just too many variables in motion. That's why economics really cannot be centrally controlled. Uh, You can't know all the information. That's the beauty of Hayek's information theory, uh, upon which Wikipedia is based, that the pricing mechanism is a way that every single person on Earth can constantly enter information into the system. If there's something on the shelf and the price is wrong, it'll never come off the shelf. If it goes off too quickly, the price is also wrong. And the response that the shop owner gives and how he makes more orders to the distributor, that network of billions of inputs every day is the best way to get efficient allocation of resources, and that's the best way to have utility maximization. Plus, you really get a vote with every transaction of what you want and what makes you happy happy that's the free society that i uh advocate but we're far from that so it's hard for me to say what's going to happen when you change the steel price maybe it won't make any difference maybe the world trade organization will stop this from happening or will evaluate i you know then you got to go figure out how that works that's why this kind of world control is not suitable for representative democracy like we have because we really have no way of understanding the nuances of these policies that are made in our name uh so I'm totally open to more conversation. Uh, 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. And then don't forget, we're going to start playing these Stacey Abrams clips that will make your jaw drop. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. It's a manhouse! A manhouse! On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. 65 the high today, 51 the low overnight. Weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. And Joe, I'm going to give you one minute to say what you got to say. Go, Joe. Okay. Do you know what kind of steel we make in this country? No. We make electric steel from scrap. Trump has brought coal and coke back. It takes an open hearth or a Bessemer furnace to make coal, to make steel from raw product. We have no capability of making it. If we had to go to war, we'd have to shoot them the bird because we couldn't build the world <laughs> war equipment without pulling the cars off 
<laughs> and crushing them and making steel. We don't have the capability to make it from raw process. We're so just you're horrible as hell. The tariffs are meaningless, or they're going to oh, change? No, they're very the- meaningful because we do not make steel. We remanufacture steel. And you think we we'll take- start making it now? We'd be damn fools if we didn't. The rest of the world stockpiles it. We couldn't build. You know why it takes us 10 years to build aircraft carrier? Why? We have to inchy pinchy to get the steel to make it well. Well, look, that's the thing. Sorry, but the one thing is, if it really is a national security issue, then I'm a little worried they're preparing us for war. Um, but also, they got to write this change in stone if you want people to start building a whole new kind of smelter. We've got so much more to talk about. Alan, hold on. The clips are coming. Uh, Stacey Abrams, watch out. 800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.